everyone, and thank you for joining us today on the Talent Storm podcast. I'm Ron Wilson, CEO of Interviewstream and your host of Talent Storm, where we'll chat about everything that meets at the intersection of talent and organizational performance. We're focused on exploring the tips, tricks, and techniques for identifying and fostering talent and creating high-performance individuals, teams, and cultures. I'm excited to be joined today by a global bestseller, the author of If Not You, Who? How to Crack the Code of Employee Disengagement, Jill Christensen. Jill is an employee engagement expert, international keynote speaker, and top 101 global employee engagement influencer. Jill, welcome to our Talent Storm podcast. I'm honored to have you with me today. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. This is my favorite topic. I know that's so geeky, but it's the truth. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. I, I the, the, it's so topical too. The the topic of employee engagement you know, more than ever. But before we jump into that, maybe uh, could you mm-hmm. could you spend a couple minutes just giving us a little bit about your background and, and history with HR and employee engagement? Sure. So most people think I grew up in HR, but I actually grew up in internal communications mm-hmm. in global Fortune 500 companies in on the East Coast in the telecommunications industry. And so I was there for about 22 years. And I honestly, um, Ron, I thought only the telecommunications industry was dysfunctional because it was the only industry that I ever worked in. Seriously. And then 10 years ago, I moved to Denver and launched my own consulting firm. And I started picking up clients in all of these other industries. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm seeing the same issues, the same problems, the same, like the same, the same, the same. And that's when I realized, you know, this is a, this is an epidemic, what's going on in businesses. And so three years ago, I decided I was going to write a book and go around the globe and speak about my book, teaching people and inspiring organizations how to create that amazing workplace culture that nobody can imagine leaving. Awesome. Well, I love it. Well, given that, why don't we jump in and, and, and start off with, uh, you know, how do you go about coaching leaders on how to create a highly engaged environment? So one of the biggest mistakes that we see organizations make is that they outsource culture change to human resources. And the Mm -hmm. truth of the matter is, you know, culture is how we do things here. And HR doesn't own that per se. They own a lot of processes inside of an organization. But how we do things here is really set by the leadership team and the frontline managers. And so because of that, Um, What I say to organizations is the first thing you need to do is to take employee engagement or your culture journey out of the hands of HR and put it into the hands of somebody on your senior leadership team who's going to champion your journey and then your frontline managers who are going to execute on your strategy because they're the people who are closest to employees in an organization. So that through all of my research and experience is the biggest mistake organizations make they look to HR to fix their dysfunctional culture. So if it's not HR, who do you typically see from an executive level kind of championing this? Um, Ron, it can be anyone in the C-suite or on your senior leadership team. The president or CEO is absolutely the best person, but if that person doesn't necessarily get it or believe in employee engagement the way, say, one of their peers does. Maybe it's your chief marketing officer or your chief information officer or your head of sales, right? But you need to find somebody in your senior leadership team who understands the importance of creating that amazing workplace culture because of the correlation between employee engagement and revenue growth. 
employee engagement, and increased customer satisfaction. Trust me when I tell you, there's a really good chance that there's somebody in the senior most ranks of your organization who gets it and who will be willing to stand up and champion your journey. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. So for, for those uh, who maybe aren't clear about employee engagement, like what does that really encompass? Mm-hmm. I mean, would you mind sharing with us kind of what, what, what does employee engagement really mean? Absolutely, because I think a lot of people think that employee engagement means happy, and it doesn't. When you have an engaged employee, it means that they trust your senior leaders and they feel an emotional connection to your organization, an emotional connection to your brand. And because those two things are in play, those employees come to work every single day and they go above and beyond the call of duty and give you a ton of discretionary effort. And, you know, that's what we're really looking for, right? Because your people have a choice. They can show up at work every day and they can give you scraps and just run on a hamster wheel and do what they have to do to get by. Or they can pull out all the stops and give you the shirts off their back. And we know that your engaged workers, that's how they react when they come to work every day and how that shows up in terms of increased retention, productivity, customer sat, revenue growth. It's just amazing. No, that's that's very interesting. I, I something that um couple couple things that I that I jotted down that that of, of mm-hmm. interest. One is I think like you said, most people think of employee engagement as happiness. And I love yes. how you you make a distinction that, and I believe in my words, I want to make sure I got this right. Highly engaged employees may be happy or may not be happy. That's not what it's all about. Is that right? 100%. Yes, because if you have an office dog, a ping pong table, and a kegerator, right? Those right. Pe- those things make people happy. Right. They really do. But just because somebody is happy and they're playing ping pong and drinking a beer doesn't mean that they're going above and beyond the call of duty and giving you a lot of discretionary effort, right? right? They could just be having fun at work. Right. So there really is such a difference. And again, you know, do we like to be around people who are happy? 100%. Of course. But right. happy is not engaged. No, I love that distinction. I think that's such an important distinction that probably most people associate those two together and they're actually distinct. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you talked about... Because you can be happy and really lazy, right? right? You can you can be happy and come to work every day and just do the bare minimum, you right. know, and clock clock your hours and come in and out the door and still be a pleasant person to be around, still be nice, still not despise going to that workplace each day or doing your job. But again, that doesn't mean that your, you know, engagement is the above and beyond discretionary effort that an employee could give you if they wanted to. Right. And that's, that's the key right there because it's your culture, how we do things here, the environment in which you're asking your employees to do their job that has a major bearing on whether or not they step up and go that hundred percent discretionary effort. Right. No, it makes complete sense. So, um, so as a leader, obviously, in order to create a highly engaged environment, you talked about two things, which I'm sure there's more, but two things that you talked about uh, distinctly are trust and an emotional connection. And, you know, how as a leader, as a CEO of a company, you know, how, how do I or peers of mine, how do we go about 
doing that, building that trust, building that emotional connection that are the foundational components, I believe, of engagement. Yes. So I believe I there are cat, two. The I know my, my cat Thunder has is making an appearance. Some people think he's a dog because he's very large, but he's not. He's just a big house cat. There are, Ron, there are two simple things, in my opinion, that, that a senior leadership team or managers even can do. Um, we know open, honest, transparent communication, right, really helps to bridge the divide between employees and senior leaders. In most organizations, when you look at an organization's employee engagement survey, there are five questions that repeatedly show up in the five lowest rated questions. And time and time again, we see the question, communications between senior leaders and employees are good, rated literally in the gutter, like 15%, 20%. Most people do not think that senior leaders are open, honest, genuine, real, transparent, et cetera. And when you feel like you're getting a half a truth, when you feel like senior leaders aren't um, being transparent, when you feel like they're even potentially sweeping things under the rug or giving you, not telling you the truth, it really causes massive levels of division between employees and senior leaders. And I truly believe that if you have the right person in every chair, you've got a lot of smart people working for you. And they understand when they're not hearing the truth. They also understand when there's an absence of communication right? And when things go radio silent, people know that typically means something's wrong, but they're not letting us know that something's wrong. And so again, that open and honest, transparent communication, but not just leaders pushing content to employees, because that's a one-way communication culture, but it's really critical for leaders to engage in conversations, in dialogues with employees, That's how you create a two-way communication culture where employees feel like they have a voice. They feel like their voice is being heard. And again, that's when the trust really starts to build between leaders and managers or leaders and um, and employees, all three groups. Then the second thing that I would offer up. Yeah, Yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, please. Is connection. So pre-COVID, employees were craving connection. So when we ask the American workers, why do you get out of bed and go to work every day? Approximately 80% say, I want to add meaning. I want to add value. I want to make a difference. I want to be connected to something bigger than myself. That was pre-COVID. Now, Ron, we're hearing it in spades because this social distancing has really caused us to feel disconnected, not only from our peers, from our friends, from our fitness centers, from our churches, from our community, from our colleagues, right? Disconnection is rampant. And so one great way that a team leader or a senior leader could create this sense of connection is to create a team goal. So that could be a team goal for your team of 30. It could be for your department of 150. It could be for your entire organization of 50,000 people. Because when people have individual objectives that are written based off of their job description, they really feel like they're on an island. And they feel like what they do doesn't matter. As And they, they sometimes even feel like a number. But when you have a goal that every person in your organization is working toward achieving, you've got every single person in your organization standing there linked arm in arm, 
marching toward the same vision, marching toward the same vision, marching toward that same North Star. And again, when everybody is working together toward a common thing that is going to help move the entire organization forward, that's when people really feel like they're connected to something bigger than themselves and making a difference. When that is in play, then the emotional connection to the organization steps up. And that's the definition of engagement. Got it. Okay. So you're talking about creating purpose you know, within the organization Mm -hmm. and then creating a common goal around your team, your function, your organization. So everybody can work together collaboratively around a common mission. Um, And that's how in today's world, and I would submit even yesterday's world, Mm pre-COVID is is a stepping stone to highly engaged employees and environments. Absolutely. But if you think about it, we don't really do it, right? Typically, most employees have objectives that are written based off of their job description. And so if you have 100 employees in your organization and they each have five goals, you're making incremental progress in 500 different areas. Mm -hmm. If you have 100 employees in your organization and they all have five goals and those goals are aligned to the goals of the senior leadership team, right? I mean you are literally standing there marching together forward and you're going to meet or exceed those goals much faster when you have everybody in your organization aligned around common things. And this is a big mistake that I really have seen in my career is that you've got thousands of good intentioned people all working on different things. And then we wonder why we miss our goals. We wonder why our revenue targets, um, you know, get lost. We wonder why customer satisfaction isn't where we want it to be. It's because people are scattered. It's because organizations tend to be unfocused. Sometimes they also even tend to have eight to 10 corporate goals. I don't know how anybody meets or exceeds eight to 10 goals. I mean, as individuals, we can barely knock off one New Year's resolution, right? Right. Yeah. One New Year's resolution is like more than we can handle, more than we can handle, you know, let alone eight to 10 big things that we're going to master and achieve. And so, again, it's really about organizations being thoughtful and thinking about how can we line up everybody together in the same direction and lead them in that direction and inspire them to move in that direction so that they all go in that same direction together and feel that connectedness, the collaboration. And then, of course, if you're moving in the same direction, there's got to be a lot of communication, right, and holding people accountable. It's just a business model that's all good. And it drives massive levels, not only of employee engagement, but also results. Yeah. So, uh, candidly, um, are you, do you know uh, Patrick Lencioni? Are you familiar with Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's very I much am. so. I'm a, a I'm a um, a follower of Patrick's, and I've used his mm-hmm. consulting group multiple times in, in companies and fans of multiple you know books of his. But the advantage, um, if you're familiar with that, you know, talks about this notion of a rally cry, and it's the single yes. most important thing in the company that everybody gets behind. And then they talk about communication, over communication, clarity, accountability. You know, all all these things that are critical. Um, so as somebody who, who subscribes to what you're, what you're, um, what you're talking about, you know, the, the, the wisdom mm-hmm. that you've got around what, what people, um, need to do to really create high impact, high performing organizations, really drive good results, create a great culture for people. Mm-hmm. 
You know, something that I've been thinking about lately is where biases exist in employee engagement. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, bias from geography, you know, uh, people who, you know, the, the mid people, you know, I'm a West Coast, I'm a guy from LA, born and raised in LA, now live in the Midwest. And, you know, Midwest people are different than people on the East and West Coast. General macro level, I'm being biased as I say that, you know, but, you know, conscious bias mm-hmm. here on, you know, their geography, nationality, um, you know, play a difference. And I, and I wonder age, kind of like, you know, the, the different age groups that we have. Do you find any differences as you, you know, I know you're a global uh, uh, best-selling author. You mm-hmm. work with people all over the world. I mean, how do you find different geographies, different nationalities, and different age groups, how those things can impact engagement? Yeah. So based on all of the research that I've conducted, People around the globe, okay, so people in India, people in the finance industry, millennials, right? To me, it doesn't matter where you are working physically, country-wise, what industry you're in or what generation you're in. Human beings are similar. We have similar needs. This goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And what we are looking for, the needs that we're looking for to have fulfilled in the workplace are all similar. What differs, Ron, is what we value. Mm -hmm. Okay, so because people would say to me, Jill, how could you have one model to create an amazing workplace culture when people are different? And again, what I've realized is people aren't different. Look at Maslow, right? They have safety needs, psychological needs, um, social needs, right? When we talk to people in the workplace, and I don't care if we're talking to people in Russia, in the IT industry, or, you know, a millennial in New York, they all say, I want to be connected to something bigger than myself. I want to have a voice at work and know my voice is being heard. I want to be acknowledged and appreciated for a job well done. I want to trust my senior leadership team, right? I want to feel like my manager cares about me. These are universal needs that we know drive engagement. So it's not so much the needs that differ, but it is 100% the values. Because as somebody who grew up in the New York business environment and now lives in the West, when I lived there, right? And again, I'm not generalizing or making any just derogatory comments about anyone. But when I lived in the New York area, do you know what was valued? Education, going to the best college you could go to, um, money, the car you drove, the title, the zip code that you lived in, right? Those things mattered. If you went to a party, one of the top three questions I'd be asked was, what college did you go to? What do you do for a living? And where do you live? I live in Denver. There are people who I've known for years. I don't know what they do for a living, but I know what 14 or they just climbed right? I know Love it. What, what type of, right? I know the best food to eat if you're a vegan, right? Because here they value exercise and eating healthy and time with family. And so we value different things based on where we live, our generation, and the industry in which we work in. 
Okay. But our needs are similar, which is why when people say to me, Jill, employee engagement is so difficult. It's so hard. You know, if we embark on a journey, we probably won't succeed. I say, no, no, no. Throw all of that out. You've got to come back to center. And center is the fact that the vast majority of employees around the globe We're all human beings and human beings have similar needs. And we know from talking to them and we know from all of the research that if you go after certain areas such as connectedness, communication, recognition, collaboration, training and development, if you focus your efforts as an organization in those areas, you're going to tick off all of the spots that employees care about. You're going to meet the needs of all of your workers if you focus on those handful of areas that they say that, yes, this actively drives whether or not I'm going to show up at work every day and give you the shirt off my back. Oh, that's good. That's good. I um, A, a lot of interesting thoughts there uh, on what... Uh, what organizations need to focus on. And, you know, given mm-hmm. today's climate, obviously, you know, since March, we've all been uh, experiencing an abnormal world. I mean, what's changed, mm-hmm. if anything, from an employee engagement standpoint or how you're approaching it with, with, with folks given COVID? You know, what I think is so interesting, Ron, pre-COVID, I felt like I was out there selling employee engagement, meaning I was out there evangelizing about employee engagement, right? Um, My book is out there. I speak 50 times a year at major business conferences. I am out there championing employee engagement in spades. Rarely did a company come and tap me on the shoulder and say, Jill, we want to to re-engage our employees and create an amazing workplace culture, right? I was the one going out there talking about how important this is. Now that COVID has hit, Organizations are coming to me in droves saying, Jill, we have no idea how to engage our remote workers. So, Ron, it's fascinating to me. (coughs) Excuse me. When employees were sitting right beneath leaders and managers' noses, they didn't think, how am I going to engage these people? Because they could see them, right? So they could see them working. So I think they thought everything was okay. But now that they physically cannot see them, they're concerned. They're concerned. Are they doing their job? Are they giving me 100%? Are they being productive? Um, What are they doing? I can't see them. And so I'm seeing a focus on employee engagement now more than ever. They're in the reverse, right? Organizations stepping up and saying, this is something we've got to get our arms around. Whereas they weren't necessarily saying that pre-COVID because they could see all their people. Yeah. No, frank, frankly speaking, I, I think those organizations who had already leaned into employee engagement and had been working on those things are at a significant mm-hmm. competitive advantage to those organizations who who thought, which I, I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase something you said, who thought employee engagement was seeing people and saying hi in the office. You, you know, that was engagement. In fact, that was really just micromanagement. You know, and <laughs> the illusion around you know controlling people. Um, exactly. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised in the least bit that organizations now are sitting here flat-footed, going, "Oh my God, like how do I know what people are doing? How are they engaged? I mean, the craziness going on in the world today—it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to find all sorts of other things to do, but focus on work, especially you know for those who not used to working from home." 
And so, yeah, I can imagine you, you've gotten a lot busier lately. I have gotten needed. a lot busier. Um, it, it is needed. And in all honesty, what I've learned in my career, um, Ron, is that I'll take it any way I can get it. Meaning yeah. whatever drives an organization to understand that they need to focus on their culture and put their employees first so their people can put their customers first and ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching all the way to the bank, right? right? Because that is the formula. However they get there is fine with me as long as they get there, right? And we know now we've got approximately 61% of workers who are remote. And, um, you know, there's doing a, a lot of studies, Gallup, Gartner, the conference board. And what we're hearing from employees in droves is that companies, you need to step up my level of connection. You need to step up my feeling that I'm being communicated with. And you need to step up collaboration because our remote workers as productive or more than they are in the work environment, the physical work environment, Yes, but they're reporting high levels of disengagement, um, disconnection, and isolation. Yeah, well, that, that, that and so sense. it stands to reason unless you address that, right? People are going to check out because, to your point, there are so many things going on in the world today to distract your workers. Yeah, there has absolutely. never been a more important time. For you to un, for you to get your arms around what your culture looks like, and embark on a journey to ensure that it's the best that it can be, so that your employees can be the best version of themselves. I love it. I love it. And so, you know, in our instant gratification world that you know we live in today, mm-hmm. um, those organizations that that uh, make the important decision to embark upon this journey, assuming they haven't uh, already. You know, what do you typically see? You know, I I could just see some naive executive, you know, coming in and going, you know, all right, Jill, come in. You know, we I want to drive engagement. I'm really worried about everything. So like this quarter, we're going to change everything overnight. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, like, what is the the reasonable expectation of kind of how long it takes? I mean, typically to to drive this sort of change into the culture. Believe it or not, if you do it correctly, meaning if you don't outsource it to HR and ask them to fix your dysfunctional business culture by themselves, you can see um, serious results inside of six months. And, you know, the process is this. Somebody on the senior leadership team has to have the confidence and courage to stand up and say, our culture isn't where it needs to be, but together we're going to fix it. Okay, we're going to execute an employee engagement survey. We're going to gather our baseline data and know exactly where we are. Then we're going to set a one-year goal to increase employee engagement. And I highly recommend that that goal become a shared goal amongst all of your supervisors or managers, right? Because they're the people who have to execute on your employee engagement strategy in the trenches because they're the people who have the most interaction with employees. And so once the senior leader has the courage to stand up and say, you know, not we're embarking on a program or an initiative. That's not what this is. Employee engagement is a strategy and it's a journey. It's something that once you start, you are going to be on forever because your culture is a living, breathing thing, right? It will continue to change. It will continue to morph. Your goal is to be deliberate about what it changes and morphs into. And you can do that because, again, 
once the senior leader's engaged, I always say that he or she needs to have manager town hall meetings where you bring together all of your managers and just be fall on your sword and be really honest about, you know, we're not where we need to be. And there are so many amazing benefits for not only our organization, for our shareholders, our board, the community in which we live and work, our vendors, our customers, you know, for us to be running on all cylinders and getting and having employees who give us 110% every day. So then, Ron, it's about an organization deciding what are the areas where we're going to focus our efforts. And I always say to organizations, focus on connectedness, communication, recognition, training and development, who you hire and who you fire, right? Figure out the handful, three to four areas where your organization is going to focus because you can't bite off everything. And then literally tell your managers exactly what you need them to do in the trenches with employees in order to create that great culture because you can't leave it to chance, meaning you can't just say to managers, recognize people more doesn't work that way or, you know, create or communicate better. You need to say, managers, here are the three things we need you to do in the area of recognition. And then, Ron, when all of your managers go to market consistently, right, when all of your managers start recognizing people in a consistent way, communicating with people via um, new two-way programs that you've set up, engage in whatever you have brought to the table in terms of creating more levels of connectedness, when you've got all of your managers operating that way, that then becomes how we do things here. The way, And that's the definition of culture. It's the way of being, right? right? And so, you know, people say to me, Jill, you know, our culture's a mess. And I said, well, do you have some pockets of good? And they're like, yes, we do. And I, this is where organizations fall off the rails, you know, in, in most organizations, this is what you have. You've got some teams or departments or business units running on, on all cylinders, doing a great job because you've got strong leadership and strong managers, right, who are, who are doing all the right things. Then you've got other groups of managers who are doing nothing because 58% of managers have never taken managerial training. So they don't know what to do. So in the absence of that, they do nothing. Then you have other managers who are just winging it because nobody has given them a roadmap. So they're winging it. They might not be the strongest manager. They're trying, but they're probably not succeeding. And that's how you wind up with bipolar cultures inside of an organization, right? This group's doing great. That group's doing, eh, this group is failing. So what you need to do to change that is manage consistently all of your managers need to go to market consistently, but it can't be up to your manager to figure out how to do that. It needs to be up to the team who's championing employee engagement. I say that should be a handful of people from HR, someone from internal communications, somebody from your senior leadership team. And I always say, find a couple of super users, supervisors who people think rule the world, right? They're great managers and leaders of people. That becomes your core team who champions your journey. And again, then it's about you bringing your managers together, letting them know where you're going to focus, telling them what the baseline score is, telling them what your goal is for one year, and you, all of your managers go into market consistently so you create a new way of doing things here. Oh, that's great. So 
to, to recap a bit, it takes a courageous leader to decide that they're going mm-hmm. to focus on employee engagement. Um, you can't outsource it to HR. It needs to, you know, it, it needs to be an executive level kind of, um, initiative, uh, you know, to get it going. Yes. But the, the point is you're going to, what you're embarking on is a new way of being. In order to create mm-hmm. that new way of being, you need to engage and enlist your management layer to be on board. And so you need to train and educate them, just not throw it over the fence and assume that they're going to figure it all out. Because as you said, most managers have never been properly trained on how to be a great manager. So you need to consider that mm-hmm. you know part of the, the, the process. And be open and honest and transparent, uh, you know, across the company, uh, provide purpose, you know, for folks and, and, and really get everybody aligned around singular goals that uh, as opposed to all these micro level goals that, that ultimately disconnect everybody from, um, from the real important goals of the company. Is that, uh, did I miss anything big? You know, I don't think you missed anything big, but one thing that's really critical, if you think about it, this means as an organization, you're going to go to market strategically, right? right. You're going to stop leaving it to chance. You are going to be incredibly deliberate about what it is you're seeking to create and how you're going to get there. And accountability in all of this, Ron, is incredibly key. That's why I coach organizations. I say, you've got to gather that baseline data and find out what percentage of your employees are engaged, right? Let's say you're starting at 32%. Set a goal for one year to be at 40%. And then that becomes a shared performance management goal for all of your managers that was just given to them from the CEO. And we all know when the CEO speaks, people listen, right? If you were to do this in the absence of accountability, it would be really easy for managers to say, I know that I just attended this town hall meeting and I know that I was just, you know, given a roadmap for what I need to do with my team, but whether or not I do it, eh, you know, doesn't really matter. No one's really going to check. No one's going to follow up. That's why it's so important that you approach this collectively as an organization. And in the best of all worlds, employee engagement becomes a KPI, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes something that your senior leadership team talks about when they're talking about sales and expenses and customer satisfaction, net promoter scores, right? They're also talking about employee engagement because at the end of the day, I don't know why so many senior leaders forget this, but it seems like they do. At the end of the day, your organization is made up of one thing different from your competition, your people, right? That's what sets you apart. I mean, for all intensive purposes, right? AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, right? I mean, they all claim they can do this or that. And I could have said United Airlines, Southwest Airlines, um, Delta, right? right? They're all going to get you from here to there. They're all going to give you connectivity on your smartphone. At the end of the day, when you have to interact with these organizations, what is the experience that those employees are bringing to bear? You know, I, do I like flying on United Airlines? Absolutely. Do I love flying on Southwest? Sure do. Why? Because in that organization, Gary Kelly puts his people first. Their people put the customers first. And I sense that. I feel special when I'm on that airline. And so do you want to know what? When I have to fly and I fly 110 times a year, it's the first site I go to to look for my flights. Right. Right? Because it's different. 
And so this is about your organization putting your people first. So your people put your customers first. That customer experience is extraordinary and your customers keep coming back for more. That is how you're going to solidify the long-term success of your organization. That's awesome. Well, I think you've uh, you've given us some great tips and tricks for how to create high-performing teams and organizations that drive predictable outcomes. And, um, and I couldn't uh, agree with you more. Now more than ever, we need more employee engagement. And uh, those, in, those organizations that are leaning into it, especially those leaders that are really driving it and exemplifying it, um, I think are going to be uh, the ones who... Uh, who come out on top as we maneuver through these these crazy days that we're in. I agree is completely. There, um, now, is there any... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was about to say, now is the time to reinvent yourself as an organization, right? right? Like change is afoot everywhere. What an amazing right. opportunity to grasp what's going on in the world. I mean, and even if you feel like as an organization, you want to use that, not as as an excuse, right? Because some organizations say, oh, well, Jill, if we stand up and say our culture's bad, people are going to know. I'm like, are you kidding me? They They already already know. know. (laughs) They've been waiting for decades for you to do something about it, right? right? And so, you know, we have, we have options right now. You can succumb to what's going on in the world, or you could view this as an amazing opportunity to embrace change, to reinvent yourself, and to come out ahead and on top. Um, And again, the choice is yours. I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think you've summed it up so well. Is, Is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? No, just that everyone's um, able to do this. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. You need to approach it strategically. Um, you need to get all the right people involved and you need to commit to it and then follow through and hold people accountable. And if you do that, you can create that amazing workplace culture. There's no doubt in my mind. It can happen in any country amongst every generation of workers in every industry. Love it. Love it. Well, that was that was an awesome conversation. And again, I'd like to thank you for your time and insights today. Um, how may our listeners best connect with you? So my website is Jill Christensen International. Um, if you go there, you can subscribe to my blog where I um, put out tips every single week on how to be a better leader and create a great workplace culture. And then you'll also receive um, invitations to my free bi-monthly webinars where I'm constantly looking at what's going on um, across the world in the business environment, um, what's going on with cultures and employee engagement, packaging that and bringing it to you in the format of solutions um, to help you succeed. So if anybody's interested in following that, got tons of resources for you. All right. So jillchristiansoninternational.com. We'll also put that in the show notes. And uh, so that's a wrap for our conversation today with Jill Christensen. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you prefer to get your stream. We'd also really appreciate it if you provide us with a rating and review. If you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to contact us at talentstorm at interviewstream.com. Jill, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much. And you guys out there, go get them. You can do this. Right on. It's all good. Cheers, everyone. (laughs) Cheers.